Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. Debt ceiling drama is out of the way. The banking crisis is off the boil. And Goldman Sachs just reduced its one-year recession probability from 35% to 25%. Oh, and stocks are on the brink of a bull market. What's not to love? This week, our three things are... 1. Excess profits. We should not be surprised when they get competed away. 2. Uncertainty. Despite all we just talked about, there's no shortage of divergent views of where we're headed. And 3. Services weakness. It's here, and that's both good and bad for credit. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Excess profits. One thing we learned about the pandemic era is that companies over-earned. All that stimulus and monetary accommodation led to supercharged economic growth and, in turn, excess profits. Corporate margins widened to at or near record levels on the back of positive operating leverage, goosed by, one, management's ability to pass along fully, and then some, inflated costs to consumers, and two, extraordinary sales growth. So given that strong starting point, we shouldn't be all that concerned about the earnings recession we find ourselves in. Yes, we've experienced earnings contraction in the past two quarters, so technically we meet the definition of an earnings recession. We chalk this up to another example of normalization, which is capitalism doing what capitalism does. But magnitude matters. Earnings for the S&P 500 in Q4 2022 and Q1 2023 fell 2.4% and 3.1% respectively, a far cry from the 18% and 31% downdrafts we saw at the outbreak of COVID. That was back in Q1 and Q2 of 2020. And the consensus forecast for full year 23 calls for 1.2% earnings contraction. For what it's worth, the estimate for the full year 2024 is calling for earnings growth of 8.2%. Now, I've talked in the past about how this downturn is the most telegraphed downturn of all time. Managements have had a lot of time to prepare to winnow down operating costs. And let's not forget that the pandemic period provided an unusually favorable environment for companies across the credit spectrum to improve the right side of the balance sheet, to refinance debt at historically cheap levels, and to extend maturities. All of this, of course, gets at the durability of borrowers to ride out this contraction. As we wrote a couple of weeks ago, firms are facing a variety of headwinds, not only higher rates, but also slower growth, technological disruption, and higher costs related to the energy transition. The good news is that the commercial sector is, for the most part, well-positioned to ride this storm out. All right, on to our second thing, uncertainty. Is it just me or just about every declarative statement from a market pundit these days is followed by one of my least favorite phrases, having said that. You know, it comes out almost like a nervous tick. The Fed needs to raise rates. Having said that, inflation is coming down. What this really is, is uncertainty. You make a statement, and then you walk part of it back, because you lack visibility, you lack conviction. This should not really come as a surprise, given that we are in uncharted waters. You feel better with your forecast if you have an out. We think we hear a lot of having said that these days because we believe market participants struggle to understand why the economy has not contracted into recession after 500 basis points of rate hikes 
over the past 14 months, why the labor market has not cracked, why corporate earnings growth has not fallen off a cliff. Some of this is what we just talked about, the strong starting point. And some of it has to be chalked up to the long and variable lags. As an aside on that point, we heard one bullish investor the other day ask rhetorically, where is the statute of limitations on long and variable lags? As in, when are we going to simply acknowledge this economy is strong? The answer, of course, is that the long and variable lags have gotten longer this go-around because the timing and magnitude of the impact of the Fed's monetary tightening has been extended on account of the excess savings that consumers accumulated from all of that stimulus and limitations on what you could spend it on. Those savings, of course, underpin spending. Uncertainty surrounding the long and variable lags is what continues to drive divergent views of where we're headed. And it doesn't help that the data is bouncing around. We saw this graphically in the jobs report last week where the establishment survey showed that we had added 339,000 jobs while the household survey showed a loss of 310,000 jobs. We see uncertainty when we look at the forecasts of Goldman Sachs and Deutsche Bank, two well-resourced, well-respected macro shops, where the former took its one-year recession forecast down from an already below consensus 35% to 25%, while the latter sees a, quote, hard landing, powerful enough to cause some panic and problems. Having said that, the year-end forecast for the S&P 500 from GS is 4,000, while at DB, it's 4,500. Try and square all that up. Now, for what it's worth, our view really has not changed much. We believe the consumer's excess savings are running down, which will reduce the ability of the consumer to continue to fuel economic growth at the rate it has. More on that in a bit. We think the labor market will continue to weaken, albeit gradually. We expect the manufacturing, sec manufacturing sector to remain cautious. It all adds up to anemic economic growth, something the Fed has been trying to bring about. Having said that, wink, we think it'll be manageable for all but the weakest and most vulnerable credits. All right, on to our third thing. Services feels the impact. Pull back with me for a moment. Get away from the tape and the minute-to-minute -minute hurly-burly of markets. Here's where we've been, here's where we are, and here's where we're headed. Global freeze, unprecedented stimulus, unnatural supercharged growth, 40-year inflation, the fastest tightening cycle in 40 years. Interest-sensitive sectors get hit. Manufacturing gets hit. Services. What about services? Services account for 75% of the American economic output, 80% of employment, the sector that was slow to open during the pandemic but has come back with a vengeance. You know, revenge spending and all of that. Services is the sector that is disproportionately driven by wealthier household spending which just happens to be where most of the remaining excess savings reside. It's also where the toughest part of the inflation nut lives. Well, services is finally slowing. No, there's not a statute of limitations on those long and variable lagged effects of tightening. Some things simply take longer to get hit than others, especially in this unique cycle. We believe services is slowing based on sentiment data, specifically the ISM services PMI out this week which missed its estimate and is now at 50, straddling the line between expansion and contraction. It's also the lowest print since May of 2020, and it's sitting at a level we have only seen in the past in recession. Now, to be fair, we thought we were at the turning point back in December when the survey plunged 
but then we got the reversal in January on the back of warmer than expected weather. In any event, the trend has been pretty clearly negative since the survey hit its all-time high at the end of 2021, kind of the height of the services reopening. ISM's manufacturing survey, by the way, is solidly in contraction territory. Now back to services, digging into the components of that survey, there isn't much ambiguity here. Business activity, which correlates well with GDP, fell for the fourth consecutive month and now sits at a level we typically see on the doorstep of recession. Forward-looking new orders fell. Employment shows headcount reductions. Try squaring that up with last week's establishment survey. The good news is that inflation data is going the right way. Backlog of orders has completely gone away. There goes pricing power. And cost increases are moderating. The significance of this to credit? Well, bad news on growth, good news on inflation. The recession threat remains real as the long and variable lags continue to ripple, if not rip, through the economy. Forget immaculate disinflation. It's not happening. And that euphoria triggered by the jobs report? It's fading. Fast. Stay defensive. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, excess profits. Earnings recession, at least thus far, means just giving back stimulus-fueled excess profits. Two, uncertainty. No shortage of divergent views as to where we're headed. And three, services weakness. It's here, and that's both good and bad for credit. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our ratings reports and our latest research. See you next week. Hello, listeners. Join me, Van Hesser, KBRA's chief strategist for in-depth conversations with credit experts in my new monthly podcast, Leading Voices in Credit, where I'll interview market professionals on the latest trends in credit markets. That's Leading Voices in Credit with Van Hesser. Subscribe now.